Hello, welcome back to the Santi Time Podcast. So this recording is going to be a little different because as you can probably tell, I don't have a guest with me. I did solo recordings before, but they were just me rambling on about random things without a script. They're not really my proudest work. So yeah, with the script that I've now typed out beforehand, I want to get into something that I've been looking forward to all year. This has been my goal since I've started to have a passion for movies, and that's attending film festivals, specifically Sundance Film Festival, which takes place every January in Park City, Utah. I've only attended, but this year though, I've only attended the online uh, screenings because since I'm still in college and I don't exactly have money to even go to Park City, let alone even have enough money to like stay for a week, or I didn't really have like friends to like go with, uh, to like go with. So yeah, and it made me, it made me pretty jealous that a lot of big time content creators and critics attended the festival, which made me want to be a part of that more than ever now. Now, what did I think about this year's festival? Well, it was actually pretty good. Now, I'm really happy with the movies that I've watched, and I'm sad that I didn't get to watch the ones that I was pretty interested in. Particularly, I want to talk about the critical praise of I Saw the TV Glow. Now, the movie is a sophomore feature from writer-director Jane Schoenbrunn, who previously did We're All Going to the World's Fair. The film was praised for its messaging, visuals, Justice Smith's performance, and its something badger. I just want to say that, you know, like, if... if if, if anybody, you know, follows me on Twitter or, like, I have a Twitter in which I tweet about movies and other and, and other stuff, too, like, political stuff, football stuff, whatever. And I just want to say that if anybody saw my subtweet of Sydney Volpe's post, I completely misread it as, as I saw the TV glow not coming out this year, when really Sundance phoners did, in fact, love and praise this movie so much. And they are planning a release from A24 soon. So, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. I just want to say I am very sorry that I misread that. and I, I'm very sorry that I misread that. Sydney, I am really sorry that I misread that tweet. I love and appreciate, you know, what you do, everything you do for um, House of Cinema and all that stuff. Your channel is great. So, yeah. Check out her stuff. It's, it's great. Anyway. Uh... Anyway, I really can't wait to watch I Saw the TV Glow, which makes me want to revisit um, We're All Going to the World's Fair because I wasn't particularly fond of it at first. So, yeah. Okay. Now the rambling, now that the whole rambling is out of the way, I want to talk about what I've watched from Sundance. So let's go over, so let's go over everything I've seen from Sundance. So, the first movie I've watched is a movie called Between the Temples. It stars Jason Schwartzman as a 40-year-old Jewish man who, who works as a cantor at his temple. In a crisis of fate, he loses his wife, he meets his grade school, he's a, he's a teacher played by Carol Kane, who re-enters his life as his new adult Bahamutsma student. This one... Uh, so Between the Temples is pretty okay at best. It's, it's aggressively, 
okay at best. Now, Jason Schwartzman is one of my favorite actors working right now, considering that 2023 was such a great, great year for him. Appearing in movies like Across the Spider-Verse as Spot, Asteroid City, um, and the Hunger Games prequel, Ballad of Song vs. Snakes, and he also reprised his role as Gideon Graves in the Scott Pilgrim anime, uh, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. So I'm really looking forward to what he'll do this year, like appearing in Francis Ford Coppola's Megalopolis. It's pretty great that he's working with his uncle now, so yeah. <clears throat> in Between the Temples, Jason is really good in this perfectly... I'm really burping a lot, sorry. Um, Jason is really good in this movie. Like it, like, like it does well with like balancing like, you know, cringe comedy and like, and sadness. And also like special props to Carol Kane for being so amazing to this. I think she's great. And Dolly DeLeon is also good. She'll, she'll pull me in anything that she's in. But here's the thing though. The editing is a bit hit or miss for me. Like... Like, there were a lot of, like, sound effects that didn't exactly click for me, and the editing just, like, rubbed me the wrong way. And there was, like, a climatic moment, like, in the movie that, I, that, that that's, like, towards the end that'll, like, either make or break a movie for you. But you know what? I respect Nathan Silver for being, like, experimental with his depressing, with his depressing comedy movie. It does have a pacing issue and a bit anticlimactic. So, yeah, um, it really... It really does depend on if you think it stuck the landing for you guys. So, yeah. Okay, so the second movie that I uh, want to talk about is a movie called In the Summers. It's a coming-of-age story about these two sisters who spend time with their father over the course of three summers. And how the film is portrayed is that as they grow up, they have like a they basically have a com they basically have a complicated relationship with their father in which there are times where like he's a loving father and there are times where he's like where he's like being an absolute jerk to his kids and there's a, like it draws a fine line between the loving father and him of him like you know messing up and like being an absolute complete drunk that he doesn't know that he's like being a jerk to his own kids and um, it really does say a lot about father-daughter relationships and how they can be so complicated that it affects them growing up. Now, it does have a pacing issue. I wasn't really particularly fond of it, but it does have an interesting insight on, like, again, uh, how a flawed father's choices can affect their children's adult lives. Um, the performances from the movie are great, like uh, Sasha Kale, Residente, and Leo Mejio. I thought they were all good. So, and it's great that Sasha, it's great that Sasha is in a real movie after she appeared in that, after she appeared as Supergirl in that abysmal Flash movie. So, yeah, overall, it's a solid debut from Alessandra Lacarosa. It's great. So, yeah, good movie. All right, third movie I've watched is, um, is like what I consider to be the worst movie of this year's Sundance. But it seems as though that other people seem to like it, so all power to them. Um, that movie is called Handling the Undead. It is the feature debut of Thea Hisvintal. It is a Norwegian horror movie that takes place during the summer. 
so basically, it's a story of the of when these de- deceased loved ones suddenly emerge in a small town, and these people have to like grapple like who they've lost and how it can affect how it does now affect our lives since that they've seemingly come back in a sense. With a title like "Handling the Undead," like I really thought that this would be like an insightful zombie flick, but it just ended up being such a boring slog to get through. It's like I was watching Gary lose the snail race as he spontaneously combusts. Like I was, I was honestly so bored throughout the entire movie. Like, ugh, man. So, so what really intrigued me to like watch this was that two of my favorite actors in the movie um Renate Redsieve and um Anders Danielson Lee were going to be in it and and they both always like give give great performances when they're in a movie together so yeah and I was really expecting like great chemistry between them they've always had great like they've always produced like great chemistry like in their movie specifically with the worst person in the world one of my favorite favorite movies ever but unfortunately their star power was completely wasted i i i I honestly couldn't believe it like despite some really good despite some really great shots which show which show like the darkness imposing on on norway and when the reanimated corpses appear and it's and it's unsettling tone the film just failed to intrigue me there was there was also like one particular scene that was so disturbing that I had an anxiety attack. Like I couldn't, I could not believe what I was watching. But yeah, when it's out to public, yeah, when this movie is out to the public, I'm really, really looking forward to this discourse, man. All right, fourth movie I've watched is is uh, one of my favorites from Sundance and something that I definitely needed. Like this was based, like this was a light-hearted movie from the other one I've watched. And definitely one that I needed. Um, it is Jesse Eisenberg's A Real Pain. I never really got to watch When You Finish Saving the World. Like, Jesse Eisenberg's, like, first directorial debut. I've only heard, like, good things about it. And I think after watching A Real Pain, it makes me eager to, like, check out his other movie. And, and also, like, if you guys have seen When You Finish Saving the World, I would love... I would really love to know your thoughts on it. So yeah, uh, A Real Pain is basically about these two cousins who visit Poland to spend the weekend honoring their grandmother. However, when old Tetsch, it's like resurface against the backdrop, against the backdrop. However, like old tensions like resurface against the backdrop of their family history. I think what really worked for this movie for me is like, it's like this film has like beautiful landscape shots and, and it has like really, really good music. And like the performances from both Jesse, and the performances from both Jesse Eisenberg and Kieran Culkin are amazing. Like, like specifically, Kieran is the standout. Like he conveys like such mixed expressions of grief and giddiness. Like I truly, like I, I am truly gonna sense a renaissance from Kieran when this comes out. Like I don't think anybody is ready for his performance. Like if. If Jesse directs every movie that comes out at Sundance, I'll be there no matter what. Yeah, that's that's my thoughts on a real pain. You guys should really check it out when you know it's out. So yeah. Alright. Uh fifth movie I've watched is a documentary about Frida Kahlo, simply titled Frida. I was already familiar with Frida's life because of the biopic starring Sama Hayek, 
But with this movie, it adds more insight into Frida's struggles with her health, her complicated marriage with Diego Rivera, and her sexuality. It has really good archival footage and beautifully drawn animation of Frida's famous paintings. All I'll say is pretty solid. Okay, sixth movie I've watched is another favorite from Sundance, and that's Didi. To sum up the concept of this movie, it's basically Bo Burnham's 8th grade, but with boys, and it has an Asian lead. It takes place during the summer of 2008, and Chris Wang goes through the transition of going into high school. There's one thing that I'm a sucker for, it's a coming-of-age story. It is simply about a 13-year-old boy who's experiencing early adolescence. I remember my first crush, the friends I used to have, the ones I don't hang out with as much anymore, and most importantly, I remember the mistakes I've made and being laughed at. And as a 13 as someone who as someone who used to be a teenager, I didn't really go to a lot of parties. I never I didn't really I didn't really go to enough parties. I only went to the senior events because it was like the only time that I ever like got to hang out with people outside of high school or middle school you know I've only been to school dances I've only been to senior events and such anyway I'm anyway anyway I'm rambling and like dwelling on past things which I shouldn't really do and most and also I never really had a girlfriend in high school and that's the thing and there were times where I didn't get along with my sibling and sister the big I think what really works for Didi, and it's its biggest aspect, is its cringe comedy. I really love movies and shows with cringe comedy. Because things like fitting in with older kids, going going along with stupid pranks, and having your first conversation with a girl is part of being 13. It's part of growing up. And sometimes your first day of high school won't exactly go well. It can either go great or it can go and it can either go really bad. And I think that's okay. DD is a new favorite of is a new favorite of the year of 2024 for me. And yeah, I got nothing else to add. All right, seventh movie, the seventh movie I've watched is a movie called A New Kind of Wilderness. It is a documentary about a widowed husband living in the Norwegian wilderness who raises his three young kids after losing his wife to cancer. It's basically a real-life Captain Fantastic. It's basically about this family who have lived in the forest all their lives, and they're learning to enter contemporary society. I really love the vibe of its nature, how hard it can be to raise kids on your own, despite how rough it is to raise children and trying to like look for jobs. Nick, at the end of the day, Nick put his kids above his own, and the chemistry between him and his kids is so genuinely sweet and wholesome when this comes out to the public like a new kind of wilderness is worth your time the eighth movie i've watched is is called good one it is the story of a 17 year old girl named sam who goes on a hiking trip with her dad and his best friend i'm not even that into hiking you know because i, I because it's not really like in my comfort spot but how this film utilizes its shots of nature and it's all and, and, and all these creatures like the like the bugs, the animals that and all the and all the other animals that you see adds a lot to the movie's plot. Like Lily Collis's debut performance is really really exceptional. It's very authentic, and when she's quiet and eavesdropping on her dad and uh, Matt's like conversations, it speaks a lot on the teenage experience of putting up with fathers 
when you're a teenage girl. I suggest, I really suggest watching this movie with your phone down and be patient with it because the hiking journey that Sam is on is worth your attention, is worth your attention and what she feels as, and what she feels and, and what she does like during her hiking trip, like really, really enhances your viewing, really enhances your viewing experience. I used to have this at like a three star because I wasn't exactly like satisfied with how it ended. But then like the more I thought about its ambiguity and the thoughtfulness of not the, of that particular scene of how it ends, it makes me appreciate it more. And this was indeed a good one. Wink, wink. Okay, the ninth movie is something that I consider a masterpiece. It is my favorite movie to come out of this year's festival. It's my first five star of the year. And that movie is Exhibiting Forgiveness. It stars Andre Holland as an acclaimed painter, painter who reels from the trauma that he endured from his past. When his, when his estranged father resurfaced after 15 years, Terrell struggles to forgive him for the for the abuse that he endured from Laurent. It's, it, is, it is a beautiful depiction of projecting your past trauma into your artwork and generational black trauma. Andre's performance, like Andre Holland's like performance has made him one of my new favorite actors and Anjanou Ellis is fantastic in it. She's she's another standout. I think she's incredible. I I I predict that she's gonna like receive like accolades for that performance, like specifically like specifically for best supporting actress in the future. And I am really excited for the world to check out Exhibiting Forgiveness. It's 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 amazing. So good. All right. Tenth movie I've watched was a last minute pick, and it was something that previous guest on the Santi Time podcast, Nathan Spencer, has seen. Shout out to Nathan, you know. And it is called Tenderberry. It's based on the director Haley Elizabeth Anderson's time in Cody Island during COVID and the Russian Ukraine war. Dakota Hill is 23 years old, and she says goodbye to her boyfriend who goes to Crete. Who goes to Ukraine to visit his father. Koda anxiously navigates her new reality in New York City, learning to live without Yuri and finding her place in the tri-state area. And I really love movies that feel real and authentic, and, Ten and Tenderberry is one of those movies that speaks a lot on the evolution, on not only the evolution of, of the 2020s, like specifically like how the public reacts to COVID and how it reacts to whatever's going on overseas and like it's really the evolution of media whether it's movies news or even like the evolution of of music in the new decade in the beginning of like 2020 and 2021 and Koda Joan is the beating heart of this movie of this New York City odyssey like she's very very good in this and I don't think anybody is ready for Dakota Hill, the character Dakota Hill, the protagonist of Dakota Hill, of Dakota Hill, like the world is not ready for this movie in particular. Okay, my last eleventh and final movie to talk about was one of my was one of my anticipated movies from the festival, and 
personally to me it was it was a bit of a letdown but a lot of people seem to like it and i guess i'm in minority of that and that movie is called love me which stars kristen stewart and steven yoon um so it's so so the concept is that it's a sci-fi romantic comedy about these two about these two ai programs who reconnect through to through this through the past lives of this couple i guess so so the performances from kristen stewart from kristen and steven are pretty good and i think the so so basically the concept of it or at least how the movie starts reminds me a lot of wally in which like it's kind of a dialogue less like movie with like with with no humans and it's just like two robots talking in a sense like speaking robot talk or whatever and i gotta say the film doesn't exactly live up to it being like the next big small concept sci-fi movie but it instead feels like a black mirror episode and that says a lot because i'm not that into black mirror i haven't watched enough black mirror to even like form an opinion there are some good black mirror episodes that are great but 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 with this what i'm saying is with with love me it just feels like a like it just feels like a poorly written black mirror episode and that really says a lot and it lasts for about an hour and a half like for a movie that is an hour and a half it left me a bit bored i was really bored by it i don't know i don't know what it was but essentially love me insists that ai is the future of evolution at the end of like human civilization when it's of evolution when it's something that we don't really need like okay so since that like since that like ai was like a big problem for the entertainment industry which caused like you know sag afra to go on strike but then but then sag afra made a deal with an ai company which completely rubs me the wrong way because what the fuck was the strike for so so anyway i'm i'm i'm, I'm rambling on but what i'm saying is ai is a big problem and i don't and i think love me sends the wrong type of message that we need ai to to uh progress into society which is completely which which really does rub me the wrong way and it's honestly something that we don't really need right now since that ai has now become a bit dangerous now like <laughs> like because of these like unspeakable and atrocious like taylor swift like ai porn edits that she is fighting that 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 she is furious right now and she's fighting to like take them down so yeah and and i honestly don't think the animations are that impressive to me and it left me a bit bored like like i said like this movie left me a bit bored like it like that it insists upon itself i don't like movies that insists upon itself and i get that it's and i get that it's that it's really about this couple who who in a sense find each other again through ai and and it's all about reconnection but i don't like but but but, but i don't really like that it's that that it's too that, that it's these two people reconnecting through AI. I just don't like the approach of it. 
of these two like artificial programs masquerading as a couple in a previous life like it doesn't it doesn't work for me it's 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 essentially metaverse propaganda it's like i was watching an hour and a half like metaverse commercial and i mean i'm genuinely happy for the people who like it and it seems as though like this was made by a married couple so i'm happy that they got this out but I don't know it just it just didn't work for me like you know like you i mean like you guys could like let me know what you thought about love me you know you guys could dm me your thoughts on love me since that i don't really like it you could let me know your thoughts like you know so 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 yeah uh you can let me know what you like about it and yeah um all right uh, that was everything I watched at Sundance. I wish I could watch more movies from the fest. But, but you know, as, as Winston from John Wick 4 says, such is life. But I know, but, 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 but I do know that I will eventually watch the ones I missed out from Sundance if they ever come out to the public, which kind of makes me sad because, you know, like, like, like half of the movies that came out last year didn't exactly come out. Which, uh, which makes me a bit, which makes me a bit upset, but, you know, whatever. All right. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Santi Time, and take it easy. Peace.